Good morning. In a world that is filled with bad and tragic news, we gather on Sunday mornings to be reminded that there is a voice that speaks louder than the tragedy around us, a voice that speaks of mercy and compassion, a voice that speaks of peace, the voice of God which speaks to all of God's children. And in this place where we are all welcomed to come before God, we give our thanks. Welcome to worship here at the First United Methodist Church of North Hollywood. Um, there are uh, little red booklets that you can pass down the aisle to register your attendance with us um, and so that we might have an idea of how to contact you and follow up on your attendance here. Um, but also it's a way for us to walk with you in your pursuit of God. Um, will you say a quick prayer with me as we get ready for worship? Holy God, as we come before you, we are in need of your peace, of your comfort, of your healing, and of your voice to give us a clear direction in our lives and in our world. So Lord, we are here before you to worship you, to praise you, and to receive from you your word. We ask this, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. I invite you to take your black hymnal, the little paperback ones, and open up to the very first song in the book. And we're going to stand together and we are going to sing, uh, we sing to you, O God. So we lift up our, our song to God.
Let us pray. God of promises fulfilled, we gather as descendants of Abraham. We stand before you as faithful testimony to your covenant. We assemble as living proof that your love for humanity knows no limits. When we feel overwhelmed by the stresses of daily life, we need only look at the stars in the sky to remember your abiding faithfulness. When we are overcome with despair by the pain of war and poverty in our world, we need only see the light of a single candle to remember the one you sent as our light, our strength, and our salvation. We pray now in the name of that light, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you will now please open your bulletins, we will join together in the call to worship. Today is a day to sing praise to God. Even in the midst of cold and darkness, the warmth of God's love is real. Let your hearts rejoice and your voices shout praises to God. Please be seated.
Well done. Thank you. Whole new spin on a song that I grew up singing. <laughs> As they uh, pull these tables out of the way, are the children on their way in? Or mm, We may not have children today. Oh, I heard some little voices outside. Okay, they're coming. They're coming. So I'm going to sit down. And I am going to wait with expectation for the burst of energy and joy that will come running through that door. And I'm going to prep my little, uh, my little message here. Oh. All right, there we go. Oh, wait, where are you going? She goes to mom. Oh, I know. She goes to mom, doesn't she? All right. Okay. So, do you, do you guys ever get to play with these things? Yeah, I yeah. have a phone. You have a, you have your own? Yeah. You do? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I didn't get one of these until I was in my thirties. What? Yeah. Yeah. I was thirty I was thirty I was thirty when I got my first cell phone. I'm eight years old and I have one. I, yeah. You're more advanced than I am, I guess. I actually get I didn't have one because they weren't that common back then. Yeah, I actually grew up in a time when we didn't really have cell phones. So I couldn't have had one when I was eight if I wanted to. That's how old I am. That's old, huh? That's really old. My big sister's a big sister. Oh, okay. Well, we're not going to talk about your big sister while we're, while we're up here. Um, so, let, so your parents have them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now... Um, now, when your parents are driving, do they, do they use their phone? No. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So sometimes they pull over and use it, or sometimes they have the map on it. Okay. That, that's okay. But, I mean, it's not like they text while they're driving. My right? No, no, don't, don't, My don't. My mom don't. uses Waze. <laughs> yeah, she that's the maps. Waze. That's the maps. We're not going to tell on our parents, okay? Um, okay, but I am going to um, do s show you guys a little something of what happens, what can happen when we use this. Where did that go? Um, okay, I'm, you know what? Uh, let's see. I'm going to pull up my texting app. All right. Okay. Now, um, Henry, I made you follow me one time. And re do you remember that where I said you were going to follow me? That was a long time ago. This time, I'm going to follow you, okay? Is that all right? So let's stand up together, all right, Henry? And I just want you to walk in various random patterns in front. Okay, you don't have to walk weird, but okay. All right, so now I'm going to start trying to text. Keep going, Henry. Yeah, keep going. I can't follow you because I'm looking at something else, right? See, there's a reason why they say you're not supposed to text and drive and why you're not supposed to use your phone because it's what's called distracted driving. It means you don't see where you're going because your attention is somewhere else other than the direction that you're going. And what could happen if I'm driving and I'm not looking at the road? That's right. I could, I could be there. I could cause a car crash. Right? Up in the hospital. I could end up in the hospital. What else could happen? Could you break a leg and that's it? Yeah, I, yeah. I might not. I, I, I could just break a leg and that's it. 
But yeah, I could be in a car crash. I could collide with another car. I could run a red light. I could run over someone. Um, I could go off of the road and hit a tree. There's all kinds of stuff that could happen if I don't keep my eyes on the road. Now, we say that it is important to keep our eyes on Christ, on Jesus. So one of the reasons we come to church every week, or almost every week, is that we, we come to learn about Jesus, we come to learn about God, and we come to learn about what God, where God wants us to go in life and how God wants us to live. And we keep our eye on God rather than the things that distract us. So today when you go and you spend time with Miss Letha, um, remember what she tells you and try to remember um, what God is doing and try to remember and keep your eyes on Christ, okay? Can you guys pray with me? And then we'll get going. All right. So a repeat after me. Okay. Dear Jesus, we ask that you would be visible, that we could keep our eyes on you, and we can always follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Good job, you guys. Please open your red hymnals to number 141, Children of the Heavenly Father. Happy St. Patrick's Day. According to St. Patrick's Day lore, St. Patrick used the three leaves of the shamrock to explain the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And today on St. Patrick's Day, revelers wear shamrocks out of tradition. Another tradition is to try to catch the elusive leprechaun. 
A St. Patrick's Day leprechaun is an Irish fairy, and most fairies are delicate and pretty, but this one isn't. He's wrinkly and little and stands around two feet tall, dressed head to toe in green. He has a pair of pointy ears, and he carries around a big stick called a shillelagh, which he uses to scare anyone off that tries to steal his gold. And he always finds the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. He's very, very lucky that way. And he's able to do pretty much anything he wants and anything his heart desires. And he has always plenty of dough left over after he's had all his fun. Now, on St. Patty's Day, the leprechaun, not being, of course, the best-looking guy around, also is cursed. And if you catch sight of him and keep your eyes locked, he can't escape your clutches. And you can even force him to reveal the secret location of his precious, precious gold. And he'll have no choice but to spill the beans to you. But the sneaky leprechaun has lots of tricks up his sleeve, and he can make you look away just long enough to vanish so you'll never know the whereabouts of his hidden treasures. But we know where the most important treasures lie. You're in this space. And thank goodness our ushers aren't little leprechauns. They'll now wait on us for this morning's tithes and offerings.
faithful God, you have kept your promises to us. Our lives give witness to your abundant blessings. May we faithfully keep our promises to you, strengthen our commitment to live as true disciples of Jesus Christ. Your love sustains us, guides us, and empowers us. Please take these gifts as signs of our promise to give ourselves completely into your care, to live without fear, to trust your love without reservation. Amen. You may be seated.
Let us pray. Holy, loving, and ever-present God, Lord, we come before you having heard the awful news of 50 people being killed while they prayed in a mosque in New Zealand. And Lord, we maybe we shouldn't be shocked by this kind of news anymore, but it happened in a country where those kinds of things don't happen. It reminds us that in the world, hatred has a way of speaking loud. The Lord, the, today we pray, not just that your presence would be with those who mourn, with those who are in shock. But Lord, that people of faith would learn how to speak louder with kindness, with goodness, with peace. Lord, that these kinds of things would cease to be in our world. Lord, that we would be light in a dark place. But we recognize that we cannot do this without you, God. For if we shine our own light, we are dim. But we need your light to shine. So Lord, we confess that we need your grace and mercy all over us, to cleanse us from the ways in which we fall short, from the hatred and anger that we carry within us, for the insecurity and fear that we allow to drive us, to make our decisions. the way we choose to live in anxious places. Lord, we confess this. We confess we do this in ways knowingly. We do things when we allow our yes instead of our no to direct us into paths and directions that aren't of you. Lord, even unintentionally, we make choices that have repercussions upon others and upon our lives. And yes, Lord, there are things that we leave undone and things that we do that we're not even aware of. Lord, we confess. We confess with the aspiration that we would be better that as your grace washes us, as your mercy embraces us, as your compassion puts us back together, Lord, that we would be better, 
that we would pick ourselves up off the ground and again be voices. Voices that aspire to healing, to reconciliation, to peace, to justice. Lord, we present ourselves as your people. And as we walk our Lenten journey, Lord, we are all the more aware of the way in which we need your Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to encourage us, to drive us, to direct us, to help us be your people in this world. So Lord, we do pray for those who have lost family and friends in the shootings in Christchurch. Pray for our Muslim brothers and sisters as they question their safety. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, we pray that these things don't happen ever again. We pray that we would have the wisdom and discernment to know the actions that we can that will prevent things from occurring. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, each of us has come in here with prayers for people that we know who are sick, people who are depressed and down, people who are grieving, people who are struggling to make it. Lord, we lift these prayers for them and for us up to you in a time of silence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Even as we pray together the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At the same time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, You must get out of here and go somewhere else, because Herod wants to kill you. Jesus answered them, Go and tell that fox, I am driving out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I shall finish my work. Yet I must be on my way today, tomorrow, and the next day. It is not right for, the, for a prophet to be killed anywhere except in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets, you stone the messengers God has sent you. How many times I wanted to put my arms around all your people, just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not let me. And so your temple will be abandoned. I assure you that you will not see me until the time comes when you say, God bless him who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, it was a little over a year ago, and I can, I can still remember the date. It was December 30th, 2017, and I was out riding my bike, um, and this is up in Valencia, and I was riding along, um, and, and I was on my way to a ride that I had ridden probably about 30 times before. It was something I was very, very familiar with. And, and as I was riding, um, I was on my way, and there's a place where I, there's an underpass underneath the 5 freeway. And as I was coming to the underpass, I noticed that there were a couple of cones in on the shoulder and I realized I was going to have to move out to my left to go around them. And as I was riding, I took one hand off of my handlebars and I looked over my shoulder to check for traffic and when I wasn't looking at the road, there was a large object flat that was there in the road, rubber, one of the bases for one of those cone things. And my front wheel hit it and the front wheel spun in, in, in a direction and ripped the handlebars out of my hands. And at 15 miles an hour, you can imagine what happened. The bike stops going forward. I go forward. I hit the handlebars and for a second thought I was going to save it. But when the world went upside down, I realized, nope, not going to save this one. And in an instant hit the ground on the back of my head and shoulder and did a quick roll and got back up onto my feet and kind of looked around and thought, wow, did that, did that really just happen? And, you know, and then, of course, the next question of any cyclist is, is my bike okay? And so I pick up the bike and put the chain back on it. But as I'm doing it, I'm realizing, you know, um, something's not right. My right arm, shoulder kind of hurt. And I reached back and it didn't feel quite right. I thought, did I just dislocate my shoulder? But I could move my arm and thought, no, that, that's not it. Um, and then realized if I'm going to find out, I'm going to have to get home. So I did what any cyclist does, gets back on his bike and rides home. Um, and then after taking a shower, because nobody wants to go into the, uh, to the urgent care in their Lycra, you know, nobody needs to see that. Um, found out that I had dislocated my collarbone. It was a class four um, um, AC separation. And um, 
if you come and feel my shoulder, you can still feel that the bone floats around up there. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I'm fine. I can do pretty much everything except maybe I'm, I'm, my softball days are done. Um, but uh, it takes just a moment of taking your eyes off the road to hit something that you don't see, to run off of the pathway that you thought you were going on. It takes just a moment to end up having your ride, your journey interrupted. And you may not reach your destination. It takes just a moment of taking your eyes off the road to get into trouble. You have to keep your eyes on the road if you're going to get to where you want to go. So keep this in mind as we consider this morning's scripture. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus has already told his disciples that when he gets there, he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be put to death. And on the third day, he is going to rise again. And it's clear that he is not the only one who understands the danger that Jerusalem represents because some Pharisees come out and they come to him and they say, turn around, get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. We need to pause and and just take note right here. We're always talking about the Pharisees as being opponents of Jesus. We always want to boo and hiss whenever the Pharisees are mentioned in Scripture reading. But not all the Pharisees were against Jesus. Some of them saw him as a friend and a colleague. A few of them were even a part of his following group. And we can assume that the Pharisees that came out to him were friendly with him. And they wanted him to turn around and go back to Galilee rather than to continue to Jerusalem. But Jesus isn't having any of it. In fact, Jesus gets a little sassy here. And he tells them to go and tell, go tell Herod that fox that not only am I going to keep doing my works of healing and casting out demons, but I will then be on my way to Jerusalem in three days because it is impossible for prophets to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Pretty sassy for Jesus, but... It's more than just being sassy. Jesus is speaking in code. When he speaks of his works of healing and his works of casting out demons and his self-identification as a prophet, they all point to messianic behavior, especially when he says, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. See, that particular cry is connected to King David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a proclamation of the coming king and the coming savior. And it's connected to the king of David, and it is not connected to the monarchy of King Herod. See, we refer to Herod as the Idumean kings. They were... Herod the Great and his sons. I'm going to step up here because I'm getting some kind of interference with the wireless down there. Um, But um, they were appointed to be king by Caesar in Rome. They weren't king, they weren't of the Davidic throne. So they were not connected to King David. 
So when Jesus says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he's connecting himself to King David. So I want us to be honest. If you were going someplace that you knew was incredibly dangerous and someone came out to you and said, you know, you shouldn't go because all of the powers that be know that you're coming and they want to kill you. Most of us would figure out a way to justify turning around. Most of us would figure out a way to justify returning home. And we might say something along these lines. Surely God wouldn't want me to put myself in danger now, would he? Or he might say something like, if I die, then I won't be able to continue my ministry. I will be silenced. And what good is that? Am I right? Is that most of us, those would be things that would be going through our minds? You see, the Pharisees have presented Jesus with an opportunity for him to take his eyes off the road that God has set for him, to seek self-preservation and safety instead of the thorny path of witness, betrayal, death, and resurrection. Self-preservation, comfort, takes our eyes off of the way of the cross. It takes our eyes off of Jesus. It takes our eyes off of God. And it places our attention and focus purely upon ourselves. And if we let that seize hold of, our, of us, then we no longer have control over where we're going. And we no longer have any kind of understanding of what kind of damage we will cause with the decisions that we make when our eyes are not on the way. Even well-intended voices of our friends and our families can cause us to take our, way, our eyes off of the way of faith and the way of Christ. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where we pastors often speak out of both sides of our mouths when it comes to the notion of self-care. When it comes to the notion of what it means to lay your life down and walk in the way of, the, of, of Christ. Because on one sense, you can't walk in the way of Christ and be present for others if you have a spiritual tank that's empty. You can't do it if you are hamstrung by simply being completely worn out. On the other hand, we can spend so much time focusing on ourselves and what we need to do for ourselves that we lose sight of the way. For Christ says that our concern for others is important. The way of Christ, which brings out those fruits of the spirits of goodness, gentleness, kindness, Self-control, patience, these things that are connected to relationships with one another that guide the decisions that we make. We are called to live in a particular way. At the Last Supper, Jesus will sit down and wash the feet of his disciples and say, do you understand what I have done for you? 
Now go and do likewise. Where John will write in a letter to his community that God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. For God is of love, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But the one who does not love does not know God. The way of the cross is the way of love. The way of cross is not about a self-centeredness, but rather Christ-centeredness. And what does it mean to bring the kingdom of God into being? And what do we have to do in order to, to do that? And it's not just what do we have to do, but how do we do it? Because the spirit with which we carry out our lives and the spirit which carries our call and the spirit with which we care for one another all matters. So on this second Sunday of Lent, I encourage you, keep your eye on the cross. Keep your eye on the cross. It will lead us to this table, which leads us to this table, which leads us to life and ministry together. In a world where someone thinks it's okay to take a gun into a mosque and gun down people while they pray, that's not okay. That's not okay. And we should be people who say it's not okay. And in a world where people want to exclude others for any variety of reasons, that's not okay in our church. It's not okay in our community. May we carry out the way of Christ in the way that Christ would, so that the kingdom of God would be made real in our midst. After church, we're going to be gathering over in the uh, in the the chapel about right about noon, so you have time to get over and get some refreshments and talk to one another. But we're going to be talking about how our church will respond uh, to the 2019 general conference. Um, you want to be a part of that conversation, please come. Um, but it is an important part of what it means for us to keep our eyes on the cross, keep our eyes on the road, and to keep walking the way that God has called us to. Amen.
morning, we've come to a time of announcements. If I could direct your attention to the back of your bulletins, there you will see all the contact information for the church office. Um, please let us know how we can be here for you. Also, you can see the week's events as well as altar flower dedications. Please be sure to stay following worship and join us in the lounge for a little St. Patrick's Day themed fellowship um, hosted by Program Ministries. Most importantly, though, it's a time for us to all get together and share our lives with one another. Um, Pastor Steve mentioned there's an all-church meeting right after Coffee Fellowship. It will be in Boyer Chapel at noon, and please join him if you would like to be part of that discussion. Please be sure also to pick up a Lenten and week worship schedule. They're located in the back, or the front, actually, of the church, the narthex. And there you can find all the pertinent information that's coming up for Holy Week as well as Lent. But the big thing that's happening is actually Tuesday, March 19th, something new at 8 p.m. called God Talk. You can see all the details inside of your trifold. Pastor Steve will be holding God Talk at the District Pub on Lancashire, and it's a free-form open discussion about faith in God. So please join if you are interested, and let Pastor Steve know if you'd like. That, let him know you'll be coming. On Thursday, March 21st at 7 p.m., the Peanut Butter and Jelly Project's meeting in the community room, not the lounge, on Thursday. They're making 150 sandwiches that will go to Hope of the Valley Rescue Mission on Friday. Um, and they are really grateful for those sandwiches. So thank you very much for donating last month. Um, they had 160 people actually at the rescue, so they were more than happy to receive those sandwiches. Also Thursday night, soup, supper, and vespers continue at 7 p.m. in the lounge, and Pastor Steve continues with his Lenten study at 7.30. Friday is Tea Fellowship, now Brunch Bunch, currently at 11 a.m. at Aroma Coffee and Tea. That's Friday, March 22nd. And the all-church work party is coming Saturday in the morning, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and please come and help out and take care and beautify our church. With those things in our hearts and minds, let us continue this morning's worship service by standing, if you're able, and singing our closing hymn, which is actually 249, not 48, 249? 2149, um, and not 2148, okay, 2149.
So as we go forth from here, keep your eyes on the road. Keep your eyes on Christ. Stay in the way of Christ and go in peace and love. Amen.